Hey, you guys over at the Tuscaloosa County Jail, men and women, we're so glad you're part of our church family. Come on, church. Welcome them in. We love you guys. Yeah. Love it. So uh, growing up, I, uh, I, I, all my grandparents have, uh, have passed on. I, I've lost all my grandparents. So, um, but growing up, I remember a few things about them. Uh, my, uh, my grandmother, my grandma Hammer, was, uh, uh, she was, every time we went to her house, she lived in this little small little house in Zanesville, Ohio, and every time we'd go down there, without fail, there would be a puzzle. And she would have her puzzle out, and I don't know if you've ever, how many of you have ever done a puzzle? You've done, okay, you've done a puzzle, so you get your puzzle out, and you, you get your, you open the box, right? The first thing you gotta do is you gotta open your box, and then you take your puzzle pieces, you put them all out, right? And what's the first Step that you do after you get your puzzle uh, pieces out of the box. What's the first thing you do? Corners. I hear corners. You guys are all wrong. Jesus. Don't take, hey, don't take the, the second step before you take the first step. You always got to take the first step before you take the second. What do you got to do first? You, you'll count them. I am, I am not counting 504. Okay. I'll, I'll trust them. The first thing you got to do is you got to turn them all up face up. You gotta turn them all face up and get them up so that you can see them, right? And then once you get them up, then you, uh, you, then what do you do? What's the second step? Corners. Find the corners and then you find the edges. And then you do the most important thing. What do you do? You look at the picture. I, this was a picture. This was what I saw almost every single time I went to my grandma Hammer's was this setup where there was the ta- the fold up table against the, the window. The puzzle pieces and usually the, the, the sides were already done. And we would spend time with Grandma Hammer putting together the, the pieces. And this is what I saw. And it's, it's pretty neat. I'll, let me come back to that in just a minute. Let's jump into Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 is where we are in uh, this series, I See in You. So this is the third in this series. Uh, we walked uh, through so far through Acts chapter 1, which Jesus was telling his disciples and those that are around him, I want you guys to uh, go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait. Wait for the promise I have for you. Then in Acts chapter 2, uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out. So what the, he promised would come ends up coming. And then Peter gets up and he proclaims on the day of Pentecost uh, what, uh, that they all should uh, repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a powerful moment. It's a powerful, powerful moment. 3,000 people are saved. And last week we dived into this, uh, this awesome part where he says they were saved and, and they had miraculous signs. And the things that were just really amazing things. They were in unity and they were uh, coming together and serving one another and... We talked about last week that we all want the and, but we jumped past the devoted part. They devoted themselves. And we, we jumped in, th- walked through all those uh, in the message last week. Um, and you can go back and listen to that message. But today, I want to jump into Acts chapter 3. We're going to continue on. And it says here that Peter and John, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon. So we kind of a general, like, hey, this is the time frame. One afternoon after the day of Pentecost. We don't know how long after the day of Pentecost. We just know that this is sometime after the day of Pentecost. They went one day, uh, one afternoon to take part in a three o'clock prayer service. Now, this is important. I, I, we spent a lot of time this past week in our context group, which was the connect group that I, that we, I have. And we go over the message on Sunday and kind of dive a little deeper. 
Um, we, we talked about this a little bit more in detail because here's what's important that you understand. There's a misnomer in Christianity that when the disciples, who were Jews, became Christians, they turned their back on Judaism. And that's not correct. It's a misnomer. It's not the way that it happened. What they, they continued to live out the practices of Judaism. See, religion is not wrong when it's connected with a power. It's, it's when, it's, when you depend upon it for salvation that religion becomes wrong. Because they were following the Judea, Jew, Jewish religion, which had religious practices. And they continued to do the religious practices. It's when you disconnect the practices from being filled with the Spirit. So here, they continue the practice, but they're filled with the Spirit. So they continue in that movement, but they are fulfilled by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So I, I can keep going. I, I can spend a little more time on that, but I won't. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called beautiful, the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the, uh, from the people going into the temple. I just told you that they continued to practice in the, this uh, in Judaism, and every day they would go to the temple on multiple occasions to pray. Every day. How many times had they passed this lame man? How many times had they walked by him and paid him no attention? How many times had they done the, the same trip, the same time, the same place, and they, they, they noticed the man? In fact, we're going to find out that everybody knew who this man was. Everybody knew who the lame man was, but this day something was different. It says that this day, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. I, I don't know. I, I, I hit this last week, and I'm going I'm to sit on it for just a second, because I think it's something we need to repeat over and over again. Peter and James walked by him every day, but he must not have said anything to him. He was just assuming they would know his need. But this day, he made mention of his need. See, when we go through life and we, we, we're going through times where we're in need and we're, we're struggling through times, we need to verbalize to the people around us the need that we have. When we're go- <laughs> it is so difficult for someone to know your need and how to fulfill your need when they don't even know you have a need. I'll keep going. He says, look at, uh, Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them and eagerly expecting some, uh, looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. See, there was an expectation of what he would get from them. So he stops them. They give him attention. They say, ah, he, he hands it, must have his hand out or his cup out and they expecting some silver and gold. And Peter says to him, I don't have that. And this is what we do a lot of times in our, in our walk with God is we see a, I, I don't have what you're saying you need. So I, I, I just, I guess I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm not yet ready to be a leader. I'm not yet prepared to be in that position. I'm not yet there. I don't have, I don't have the physical things to do what you're telling me to do. I don't have the talents to do what, what you need. And so we just stop. But Peter says, I don't have what you think you need, but I'll give you what I have. And what do I have? I have Jesus Christ. That's, what, that's all I have. I, I don't have any special uh, talents. I don't have any special position. I don't have any influence. I, don't ha- I can't take you into the Holy of Holies. I'm not that strong. I can't, do, I can't do any of the things that you're wanting me to do. I don't have the financial ability. But what I do have, I'll give to you. 
And so many times we stop doing our ministry or we halt ourselves from stepping into our ministry because we think we don't have what we need to do what, what we called to do. And he says, all you need to have is what is in you, Jesus. That's all you need to do what God's called you to do is Jesus. So he says, I'll give you Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. (laughs) That wouldn't be so much fun to see this happen. It would be be so exciting to to watch this happen in action as, as somebody would go from not being able to walk to being able to walk. And it says... That then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the gate, at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. See, there's something about being defined by a lame man. And everything that everybody knew of him was that he was a lame man. He was the guy that was always wanting. He was the guy that was always needing. He was always begging. He was always there doing and defined by his disability. But something changed. And they no longer were able to define him by what he once was, but by who he was now. The power is in, in, in us is, is when people will be astounded by your life when they see you go from what you once were defined as to who you are in Christ. When, the, when you are filled with his spirit, you go from being defined as addicted to being free. You go from being a, a, to, to being a, a jerk to being somebody who has kindness and loving and, and grace and mercy. You go from being a person who is defined in one way, in one aspect, by your, foul, by your faults, by your failures, to going into a totally different direction and being who God called you to be. The power that astounded them. And it says, They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Man, there's something powerful that happens. See, Peter and John had nothing to do. They, they didn't heal him. All they do was point him to the resurrected Jesus. That's all they could do. They didn't have the power to heal. They didn't have the power to do any sort of miracle other than jesus christ through them but that's what's the power of of your connect groups that's what when we talk about hey you need to be in a connect group this is why you need to be in a connect group because in the in the context of a connect group you will at some point find yourself in need and the healing will come around in the context of that group, not because it's the group that has all the special talents and abilities and whatever that it'll the healing will take place and the connections will remain. And you'll hold tightly to those relationships. Power there. It says, okay, let me, uh, let me help you out. Let me give you some context. So, it, so this all took place underneath Solomon's colonnade. Now, I, I, like, I, I want to do this for you for a couple reasons. I want to give you context to, to what's happening here. So that you can, one, have it in your mind, a, a kind of a picture of where this took place. But two, so that you understand, Luke gave us descriptions and, and things that we would help us uh, know that these things weren't just some made-up story. 
So where was Solomon's colonnade? In some of your translations, it actually says it was at Solomon's porch. So here's a picture. This is actually a, uh, a, a scale model of Jerusalem in Jesus' time that's in Jerusalem today. It's really cool, really neat to see. Uh, it's, it's huge. It takes up like a city block. But here, here is the, where the Temple Mount would have been. So when we zoom into the Temple Mount, here's the Temple Mount. Herod built this amazing thing, and it's, I, I should go into details about how amazing it is. Here last week we talked about this, uh, the southern stairs. There they are. Here's the mikvahs that, were they, that they found. So this is all taking place. This is the Holy of Holies, and here is where the Jews would do their sacrifices. So that only Jews could go in there. And actually, there's a fence that goes around here. Uh, they found the stone that says, if you're a Gentile, you can't go any further. But they could be out here in the Gentile court. So this and here, they were allowed to be in that. And then in underneath here, these, this is a double-columned porch area. This would be Solomon's colonnade. So when you have this picture, they were underneath this amazing, if you've ever seen uh, pictures of the, of the Roman columns and their, how majestic they would have been, and the, how, it would have been just an amazing sight and a really cool place to be. And then you're also in, in the shade. And this is where everybody's gathering to see this man who has been healed and that is holding tightly to Peter and John. And then it says that Peter saw his opportunity. <laughs> Peter saw his opportunity. And guess what he did? He seized it. See, there's a lot of times we, we see an opportunity to do ministry, but we get nervous. We get scared. We're like, oh, I, I, I don't know what blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know if I, I better just, I just, you know what? It's, it's better if I just wait a little bit longer and, and make sure I'm qualified and that this is the real deal. This isn't just something that's just a, a trick. <laughs> Peter seizes the opportunity. And he begins to preach a couple things. The first thing he does in his, you can look at this in Acts chapter 3. The first thing he does is he quotes from the Old Testament. Again, the, the Peter, James, John, the disciples were Jews. They didn't stop being Jews. They just were fulfilled in who the Messiah was. So he, the, he begins by going and taking all those Jews that are around him and goes, Hey, I want to point you back to the Old Testament. And then he says, Our ancestors. He begins with common ground. This is where it's so powerful. When you are in a, a position, a, a moment where you have an opportunity, we need to start with our common ground. You have a circle of influence that is your circle of influence. And only you can reach that circle. of It's the only place that you have common commonality. Your workplace is a place where you have commonality. Start there. In your school, you have a place where you have a, a, a common ground where you start with. You, you, can, you have the common sports interests. You have common teams that you cheer for. You have, even if it's conflict of teams, you can start by, by there. By just by, you have a, a similarity in rivalry. You can still save somebody from Michigan. It's possible. You won't save them. Jesus will. But you can introduce them to Jesus. <laughs> You, you, you find your common ground, and then what he does is he points them to the resurrected Jesus. That's what he does. He says, hey, we have common ground. We have a common ancestor. We have a common book. Let me show you where to go from here. And he points them to the resurrected Jesus. Then in Acts chapter 4, verse 1, it says, while P Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest and the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees. 
So they're, they're, this miracle has taken place. It's exciting. They've got a crowd around them. People are interested in what they're talking about. Here's a, a man beside them that has been once was lame, is now able to walk and jump around and rejoice. And it's, it's an exciting moment. And then they're confronted by a bunch of religious folks. And they were confronted and says these leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. This is key. All Peter did was point them to a resurrected Jesus. And that is what they weren't offended by the guy being healed. That wasn't what set them off. What set them off was they were he was talking about a living Jesus. That resurrection was possible in them. See. When you, this is why a lot of, of Christian churches, Satan has no problem with. Because it's a dead faith. You walk in and you walk out and nothing is confronted and nothing is changed. A living faith means something has to change. Because anything living is in the midst of changing. If you're not changing, you're dying. And we have too many churches who have, have stepped into a position of going, you know what, we're, we're just, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. And it's a dying church because it's not changing. There's no change in people. There's no change in them. It's dying. When you have something living, that's when, that's when you're going to cause confrontation. Not, we don't go looking for confrontation. We don't go looking to poke the hornet's nest and, and try to stir up trouble. But when you are living a life that causes people to question whether they have a life in them, they will directly be conflicted. There'll be a confrontation. Confrontation. Yeah, I got really fancy there. A confrontation. Between that, because they're being convicted by your life. When you're not having any confrontations it's because our life isn't being demonstrated i'll keep going um (laughs) they arrested them and since it was already evening they put them in jail until morning but many of the people who were who heard their message believed it so that the number of men who believed now totaled five (laughs) thousand how cool is that it's exciting right but here's the problem Can you imagine being Peter and James as they walked into the temple? Man, I bet they were singing a worship song. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That is who you are. Right? And then they walk by a lame man. They reach down and say, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Jesus Christ picks him up. Miracle worker. <laughs> Come on. The guy is worshiping. The guy is praising. It is, it is an all out, full on party up in the temple. Come on. <laughs> this is it. This is what we've been hoping for. The kingdom of heaven is coming to earth. Um, we're going to arrest you. Wait a minute. That's not the picture I had. The picture I had was, was this nice, beautiful picture. And, and I, 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 wanted, I wanted tranquility and I wanted peace and I wanted this moment that was just... <sighs> There's this guy down here and he's in that miracle worker. 
that is who you are. That, if, you, if I'm on the front row and you guys don't see me, that's what I look like. This is me. That is who you are. Yeah, that's me. I'm loving that moment. Loving that moment. Then, then I walk out of here and life is confronting me. And what I thought was going to be easy and smooth and full of peace and tranquility is suddenly a storm. And what I thought was going to be easy, and, and this is what we, we kind of have created this in Christianity, is that, hey, when you follow Jesus, it's all going to come together. It's just going to be all that you hoped it would be. It's just going to be wonderful, glorious peace. And then we face a storm. And we're putting together pieces and we're going, wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't expect there to be lightning here. And I, I didn't want to face thunder and I didn't want to face the, the waves. And I, I thought my marriage was going to be this really easy, smooth sailing thing. I had this picture of what it was going to be. And what I'm living is not what I had pictured. I, I thought having kids would be this moment where everything would come together. And it's, it is, is it? For that first like, couple moments where it's like, oh, look at how beautiful they are. Wait a minute, I didn't picture that part. We get into these moments where like, this is the job that I've been dreaming of and everything's going to be just right. Once I get to this position and have this title, everything's just going to be peace and tranquility. Except for it gets harder and there's more responsibility and I have to deal with people I don't like. I wouldn't like them if I had to be on a prison with them. I wouldn't want to be with them. But here I am at work and it's become prison. My, my, everything I, I thought was going to be, I, 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 I thought that it, when, I, when I would become into relation with, with Jesus that everything would get smooth and everything would be the way it needed to be. But here I am, I'm still fighting the same demons, the same addiction, the same difficulties. All that I thought was going to be smooth, the pieces aren't lining up the way I thought they would. I mean, seriously. How many, how many of you have gone to, to order a Whopper and you got it and it didn't turn out, they didn't look anything like the picture they put on that menu? That's what happens in our life as we get to a place where we think, why isn't it the picture that I thought it was going to be? This is where it doesn't come together. So let's look at here where they, this is the, this is the power of the Bible. Is that it's the word of God given to us, not just so that we can examine it and have a nice story, but so we can see how this, this moment where their picture wasn't coming out the way they thought it, what did they do? And it says that they, number one, so they were in the temple and they were, everybody surrounding them and celebrating with them this healing and they proclaimed the, the, the resurrected Jesus to them. It's all exciting. Then they get arrested and you know what they do? They proclaim the resurrected Jesus to the people that just arrested them. What has to happen here? It says, it says the next day they were brought into the, the uh, brought into the two disciples and demanded, by what power and whose name have you done this? I could spend more time on here, but that power and name are connected. In that this period, your name carried power. Your name said who you were and who you were gave you power. If you were Herod, you had this much power. If you were a Roman centurion, you had this much power. And if you were Paul, you had this much power. Peter had this much. You had influence based upon your name. They're asking them, who is, has the authority to make this happen? 
Because it sure isn't you, Peter, and it sure isn't you, James, but who is it? Jesus. It says as soon, so they, they threaten them, they say, hey, you, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. They go, can't help it. That's all I can talk about. It says as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Let me tell you something. When, when you, you are going to go through difficult times. The storm is going to hit. Maybe the storm is hitting you right now, or it's going to hit. And I, I hate to be like so positive on a Sunday morning. But you're going to go through a storm. And when you go through that storm, if you don't have people around you, the first thing they did was they got the people around them that would be supporting and loving them. Get in a connect group. It says they got around him and says, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted up their voices together in prayer to God. What's the first thing they did? They prayed. They didn't circulate a petition to try to change the Pharisees' mind, the uh, Sadducees' mind. They didn't go hire a lawyer or get some lobbyist to go on Capitol. They didn't get some signs and go protest. They didn't try to change their circumstances. They prayed. The first thing they did was they prayed. They said this, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. Okay, when you pray, that's where you begin. If you want to know a pattern of prayer, this is it. First thing you do is you declare who you're praying to. Yes, the guys in charge in the temple just arrested us and told us not to do any more preaching and proclaiming of Jesus. But we're not listening to them. We're going, we're going above them. Oh, sovereign Lord, the one who is over everything on the earth, the sea, and everything in it. That's who we're going to. It says, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The second thing you need to do is you go to the sovereign Lord, and then you use his words. You ever, like, I don't know what to pray. I don't know if I'm praying the will of God or if I'm praying my own desires. Pray this and you're praying his will. Go to his word and pray. Start here and pray this. Now, don't cherry pick verses. Pray it in context. So they say, this is who you are. This is what it says in the scripture. We know what the word of God says. And he said, the kings of earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord, against his Messiah. In fact, not only did we hear about it, but now we've experienced it. Just this past past couple weeks ago, we saw this happen for Herod Antipodes, Pontius Pilate, the governor of the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, who you anointed. Okay, we get it. God, we're coming to you. You're sovereign. God, we understand that your word is, is true and we've seen it come to pass now. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will and now. This is where they begin to pray. And this is where they pray their prayer. So they start off, oh, sovereign Lord, here's what your word says. We've seen your word come to pass already, so we know we can trust you. Here is what we're bringing to you now. Oh, Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Woo! There's the prayer. What happens after the prayer? (laughs) The meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. 
Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in, prayer, in heart and mind, and they, were, they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. They were, they were no, there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Oh, oh, oh man. This is just, this is a repeat of last week. Acts chapter 2 ends with, Holy Spirit's poured out, and then the results. Acts chapter 4 says they get arrested, they, they, healing, arrested, they get, uh, they have a prayer meeting, and they get the same results. Holy Spirit's poured out, and then they go through the same thing, and miracles, and signs, and wonders, and unity, and all the things that we want as a church happen. Why? Because they knew how to pray. Here is where I want to go back to the prayer that they prayed. Sovereign Lord, your word, your confirmation. Here's our prayer. This is what they prayed. Oh Lord, hear the threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the, your, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What's the first thing that you notice about what's here and what's not? They didn't pray for protection. They didn't pray for protection. I, my, my mom just flew out yesterday. And uh, she was flying to see my little sister in, in Boise. And if you guys are watching, maybe they're watching online. Hey, they're four hours ahead of us or something like crazy like that. So maybe later. Hey, so glad you guys are watching. When she left, you know what I text her? Praying for safe travels. God, I hope you protect her. God, I want your hand upon her. The one thing they didn't pray for was what we always pray for. God, remove me from the circumstances. God, this is, storm is really hard. Can you make it stop, please? God, the, the, the lightning is coming all around me, and I just I, I don't know what to do. They didn't pray for protection. They didn't pray that the circumstances would change. They didn't pray that the struggle would be removed. They didn't pray that the tension of being a follower of Jesus would go away. Being a follower of Jesus means you will be in a constant state of tension. That state of tension is grace and truth. Grace is we love everyone. The truth is when you're loving everyone and you're in a relationship with Jesus, it changes you. Grace, truth. The tension will always be there. What did they pray for? They didn't pray for protection. They prayed, the first prayer they prayed is that now, Lord, great boldness in preaching your word. They prayed for persistence. They prayed for persistence. Give us the ability to preach your word even though they told us to stop. See, we need endurance, not just inspiration. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Paul wrote, the, or the writer of Hebrews, which I think is Paul, said, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, motivation gets you started, but endurance will get you through the end of the race. It's great to come into service and go, woo, that felt good. That was some good worship, motivated. But if you don't have the endurance to finish the race, you're going to get to Tuesday and you're going to start struggling. You're going to get to Wednesday and you're going to start tripping. And by Thursday, you're going to be on your face going, why doesn't my life change? Hebrews 10, 36, for you have, a, you have need of endurance. You have to have it 
so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Endurance. They prayed for persistence. The second thing is, says they, and now, O Lord, hear the threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. And then here's the second thing they prayed for. Stretch out your hand with healing power. They prayed for his power. They prayed for his power. See, we got to get past. I, I love context. I love diving into knowledge, but we got to get more than words. We need power. Paul, this is Paul for sure. First Corinthians chapter two, verse three says, chapter two, verse three through five says, I came to you in weakness and fear. This is my, one of my favorite verses. And, and my, with much trembling, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Let me, let me explain something to you. Every Sunday afternoon, I watch this message and I hate it. Because I, I, I stumble over words, I mispronounce words, I, that I, I go through it, and I rate myself. And it's usually a failing grade. But the majority of the time, I'll walk out here, and I'll stand out in the lobby, and someone, at some point, during talking to people, will come up to me and go, that message was powerful. Why was it powerful? It wasn't because of these stumbling words. It's because the power of the Holy Spirit was working as my words were used, and your heart was transformed wasn't with wise or persuasive words. You guys all can testify to that. I paused because I knew somebody would do an amen there. You never amen me on the good stuff. but Persuasive. Persistence. Power. The third thing they prayed for was in this. They said, may miraculous signs and wonders be done Through. Through. Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, they prayed for his presence. They knew that the circumstances were, weren't going to change. They didn't want the circumstances to change. What they said was, in this moment, in the moment that w- the miracle is happening, and everything is smooth sailing, when everything looks the way we want it to look and feels really good, and we just saw the man healed, we're going to proclaim the resurrected Jesus. And when everything gets really difficult and really hard and we get arrested and we're put in jail and threatened with our own lives, we're going to present the, the resurrected Jesus. It doesn't matter the circumstance. The message doesn't change. They weren't dependent on the situation. They were dependent on being persistent by the power of the Holy Spirit that they were able to do this in the presence of of God. You ever have one of those moments where you get to, um, you get to like share a, something really cool that's happened to you. You go, you go on a vacation and you're like, oh, when I was on vacation, man, it was so cool. We got to do this. And you're, you're telling the story and then kind of like, they're like, uh-huh. and then you end the story by saying, I guess you just had to be there. You ever you go to a really good restaurant and you're like, man, this food was so good and the atmosphere was great and everything was just amazing. And they're kind of looking at you going, yeah, and you, go, you, you just need to be there. You need to go there. See, the Bible is not a bunch of stories about what, what God did that we go. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't end it with, you guess you just need to be there. No, he ends it going, I will be there with you. 
We've spent too much time depending on other people's stories. When he's calling for us to pray a prayer of being dependent on him. 2 Corinthians 3.16. Whenever though they turn to face. This is Paul. The message paraphrase does this awesome. He says they turn face to face God as Moses did. God removes the veil. And there they are face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a, a living spirit, that old construct, constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We are free of it. <laughs> what, what he's saying here is you're going to go from, oh man, it's Sunday and the family says I need to be in church. So yes, I got to go. To be in, I can't wait to be in the presence of God gathered with the other bunch of people that can't wait to be in the presence of God. It goes from, man, I haven't read my Bible for a couple of days and I got a daily plan and I got to get through this, this uh, Bible in a year, so I better catch up. No, it goes from, I can't wait to hear what the Lord Almighty, the sovereign God of the universe has to say to me. And then it ends up being one verse. And that one verse is enough to sustain you for weeks. You go back to it over and over, day after day, that one verse. See, don't ever go to the Word of God trying to consume it. Go to the Word of God to let it consume you. It's, it changes everything about it. This is where we, we get to the place where we, we need experience, not just another explanation. We don't need just more knowledge. We need His presence, not just practice. How does this happen? How does this happen? We, we have to get to a place where we are just desperate. Desperate for him. And when you become desperate to have his presence in your life so that you can have his power, so that you can then have the persistence to move forward in what God's called you to do, that you have to be desperate for it. And when you become desperate, you say, no longer is it my way. I will humble myself before you. So you've got to be desperate. You've got to be humble. And you say, no longer is it my way. It is your way. And then you get in position. And the only way to get in position with what God wants you to do in your life is to repent. Repentance is just turning from doing it yourself to turning to do it, to saying, it's not my way. It's your way. Get in position. Here's why they didn't need protection. You got to jump through. I just jumped over a bunch of verses. They didn't need protection because they had a purpose. They didn't need protection in the jail because they were going to preach the same message in the jail. They had a captured audience as they were in the temple. See, you, you don't need your circumstance to change for you to be used by God. You don't need a new job. You've already got one. Live a life that proclaims the resurrected Jesus. And when your opportunity comes, seize it. You don't need a new marriage for you to be used by God. Do it in your marriage now. In, in where you're at and whether your spouse is with you or against you, present Jesus. You, you don't need new kids. You may think you do. 
just be in the place where you're in the presence of God, knowing you have a purpose is to proclaim the resurrected Jesus. Know your purpose. When you don't know your purpose, and you don't know what you're going after, it causes death. There's a, a, a book by Craig Rochelle, and he tells a story of, of the gray, a greyhound race that's taking place. And you ever see a greyhound, they, they get out and they, they chase after that little rabbit on the track? When this race took place, the, the gates open, the rabbit takes off, and it goes about halfway, and then it literally explodes. One of the greyhound uh, hound ran into the fence and broke his ribs and had to be put down. Another one literally laid down on the track and went into seizures because it didn't know how to act. Another one began looking at the crowd and uh, barking at the crowd like it was going to do something. It, they didn't know what to do because they, didn't, they no longer had a purpose. Know your purpose, then pray for the presence of God that will give you power that will result in persistence. <laughs> I don't, I, I like to use the same letters. It helps it stick. It helps me remember as I'm, I'm speaking. It, it, it's weird though that it's always the words that have the most spittage with it. Power, presence, persistence, Purpose. Here's what you need to understand. God's called us to a purpose, to proclaim him in every circumstance. In the peace and in the prison. Just more peace. This is what he's called us to do. Lord Jesus, God, I come to you right now just honored and overwhelmed that you are a God who is had died for us so that you're power could reside in us through your presence. Lord, we put ourselves in a position right now that we're desperate for you. Desperate for you. No longer is it going to be my way. I'm not going to pray for my circumstances to change. But I need your presence filled with your power. And I will be persistent. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you're ready to, to make that move, some of you, we need to, that prayer of repentance, turning to him. I'd like you to join me in that. Maybe it's, it's, this is a prayer for, for most of us. That we just pray, God, I, I'm turning from doing it myself. I'm turning to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, you can pray this prayer with me. You can use the same words I use. Say it out loud. You can use your own words. You can say it just in your mind. Would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, we turn to you, our Lord and Savior, knowing that you are worthy. Lord, we turn from doing our own way. We repent. We turn to you. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.